Welcome to Confessions of Ignorance. I'm Kirsten. And I'm Emily. Okay, Emily, this is, today's podcast is a little bit of your doing. Yeah. Your brainchild, sure. if you will. Yes, yes. Explain why we're having our guests on or kind of like how this came to be. Okay, so last May, beginning of May, I seriously started to consider getting a breast augmentation, breast implants. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like always in the back of my mind, but I always just thought that maybe I would do it after I was done having kids. And yeah. the plan is that we're not done having kids. But then I just started hearing from a lot of different people that they got them done before they're done having kids. And they're so happy that they did. And their doctor said it was totally fine. So I started like seriously looking into it, found a doctor that was like highly recommended by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And then I went and got a consultation and it's kind of like, sounds crazy to say, but they had an opening in a few weeks. You know, we were all, and you were like, I think I'm just going to do it. We were like, don't you want to like put some more thought into it? Like take some, takes a few months, but you were, but to your credit, I think once you had been thinking about it, yeah, it like, wasn't like, like said, a it was rash always decision. in the back of my mind, right? But it was always just like, well, that's years down the road. Like that's not even going to yeah. happen anytime soon. But you kind of live in a, a mentality of if if you have an idea, you don't want to just wait around. Like you like to yes. just go for it. Yeah, I think it's a I think it's a great quality of mind, but also could be a bad quality at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily spend a lot of time thinking through a decision. And I think so far it's served me well because I don't procrastinate very often. Never. Yeah. And I just kind of, I'm like, well, let's just do it. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, but also, like I said, that could, that could come back to bite me in the future. Yeah, like we'll I don't see. think about the repercussions very often. As soon as that happens, we're going to let all the podcast listeners know. Yes. The giant mistake Let's, you just made, <laughs> whatever it may be. So you, um, saw Dr. Garlic, yes. who was a local plastic surgeon. Yes. He is business. He's partners with Dr. Chitty okay. and they actually just brought on a new partner and they're great. Gonna, they're they're gonna expanding. Open. Yeah. They're going to expand, but it was great. So that was back in May. A lot of people asked me what the recovery was like, and it wasn't too bad. I was really nervous because I don't know if you know this about me, mm-hmm. but I like to work out. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was, it was hard because you're supposed to take like six weeks until you go like fully, which back I'm to sure normal. you didn't do that. Did well, you do don't six mention days? that to the doctors when they How, come? <laughs> what, what, what recovery did you give yourself? I think I was walking on the treadmill within probably a week on an incline. No, 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 no. I took two weeks to walk on incline, but but don't mention that. Okay. Okay. So anyway, yeah, we do have the doctors, Dr. Chitty and Dr. Garlic coming here today. We're going to talk to them, ask them a lot of questions right? and get some good input. So excited. Yeah. It it will be fun. Yep. Okay. Okay. We are so excited. We have Jerry and Jared here with us today. Dr. Chitty and Dr. Garlic. Yes. Thank you guys for coming. We know you're busy. Yeah. You both pretty much came right from surgeries and work and you know, (laughs) I had my McDonald's bag in my hand. Yeah. What's your McDonald's order? I had two double or a two, not double two cheeseburgers and fries. Nice. I just, I only ate one of the cheeseburgers. What's the other, what's going to happen to the other one? It was just in case. Save it for after. For the way home. Was it for the way home? It wasn't for Jared. No, you didn't get him one. No, he didn't give me yeah. one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Well, we're in a, we have a Marco Polo. Think, do, you, do you eat McDonald's? Uh, from time to time. Okay. Yeah. I, I also do from time to time. Like fries. Yeah. Burger King's the one I do. It's my guilty pleasure. Really? Okay. 
I don't I, think I've been to Burger King since undergrad. <laughs> well, I you legit, should. I, I, I went there either. twice in undergrad. <laughs> got sick both times. Oh, my. Never I, again. I have not been. Okay, back. you probably shouldn't go then. Yeah. Let's just I, keep you clear I've that. been to one only to, to use the restroom. <laughs> okay. I had to pee so bad. <laughs> Good to know. I'm happy for you. Yeah. Okay. Okay, well, we want to start off. We ask everybody. We start off with all of our guests with just like a little Marco Polo segment. It's something yeah. that we've been like discussing as friends. This was uh, family actually members. not my friend. Well, this wasn't me, but I was overhearing my husband talking to our brother um, about a topic that I'm curious what you guys think about. And the question is, do you feel like it's appropriate for people to recline their seats on airplanes? And if they do, oh. how far, when should they do it? Can anybody do it as far back as they want? As far back as it goes. That's, that's your That's feeling? your opinion? Yes. Okay. And any scenario? Any scenario. Okay. Okay. Jerry. I don't initiate it unless the person in front of me does, like dominoes. Then you feel like you have no choice. Oh, okay. So I feel like, hey, like you're in my face. Sorry, yeah. the guy behind me. And then if he gives me a dirty look, I can be like, it's not my fault. Sorry, yeah, I didn't not start me. this. What about they, the they person can blame it on the airline? What about the person <laughs> in the very right, back? Right, give I'm, me more I'm that way before we take oh, off. That's the, worst the person seat. in the very back can't who cannot recline. Yeah. Well, they're yeah. not going to start the trend then. They, they probably didn't pick that seat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't their choice. What are your that thoughts? That one or the emergency well, exit. Yeah. We get put in that seat when we have our kids yeah. with us. They're like, you guys sit in the very back. Yeah, and kids don't care. Kids So that's my opinion. I kind of play it by ear. I'm like, okay, who's behind me? If it's a kid, I'm going to recline. Well, I feel I really feel like we shouldn't even have the option to recline. Kirsten's very Unless, passionate about I feel about like they this. should they should have a button that they push that says no no one can recline. Either it's everyone does or no. nobody does. But no. I feel like uncomfortable, like I'm just a people pleaser, so I don't want to recline. Yeah. But then if the person in front of me does, then I also feel forced. Yeah. You and can I just always feels, blame it on the airline. Yeah. Hey, they give me this button, I can use it. <laughs> I am forced to push it. <laughs> yeah. If kids if it's the, when kids are in front of you and they're like constantly banging back into the seat yeah that, that's worse than anyone reclining that's the unless that is, that's, that's probably the my child unless honestly they're, unless they're draping their their own personal stuff over the top <laughs> is hanging onto your yeah. seat. yeah 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 well, someone threw their true. hair just the last one of my last flights the lady had like long hair and like flipped it up over the top oh did you braid it for her yeah well, did well, you it was, just like, like caress there, it like, dipped into my diet coke <laughs> Ooh, and then the, <laughs> like, uh, that's her own fault then yeah <laughs> Yeah, her okay. loss and my Control. loss. Yeah. Yeah. Lost my diet coke, and she got her hair wet. That was that was a rough life. Well, Kirsten, you probably never want to sit behind. Yeah, I'm gonna. If Jared. I see you yeah, getting yeah. on a if flight, you see me on a flight, Jared, make sure you're like, in front okay. of me. Okay, I see what's happening. Yeah, yeah. I'll switch you see. I get it on like a red eye, or or also like if they're like it's nap time, and then and then they're like and everyone the cannot recline. But like then, so it's, if you're on like a six hour flight, you're not gonna. You're telling me you're not gonna recline. Like, I, if you're going from here to, like, yeah, where's New your York. threshold? Like, when, at what point do you, But like, don't you feel like they recline too much? Like, oh sometimes no. I'm no, like, this person's enough. in it's my lap. It's about two degrees. This person, you are a lap. tiny person, too. Yeah. So, like, you, like somebody who's taller is going to have more of an issue with it. Like, <laughs> like they might need to. Yes, or they like might need to if recline. if you're sitting next to, you're in the middle seat, uh, and then you people hanging over the sides, like, you know, where you just feel like, claustrophobic and then the chair comes towards you you're like i'm in prison right now yeah i'm in a box yeah you literally can't even get up to the bathroom and then when you put your tray down it's like in your rib cage (laughs) or your or the the people to the side of you rib. yeah (laughs) i had that happen i couldn't get the the thing to drop down (laughs) because it was oh no oh no Yes, this is like some rough that travel stories. That was a stories. very rough yeah. travel yeah. story. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> You're opening okay. another can yeah. of worms over here. Okay, okay. Well, we'll now have a whole we're, we're going to get into some plastic surgery stuff. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, we have a lot of questions, a lot I, to get into. I want to start this off with something that I'm just curious your thoughts on. 
Um, Emily and I, and both of you are both in professions. Emily is a coach. I'm a fitness trainer. Yes, and I'm an interior designer where we are, uh, uh, clients are approaching us and we're pretty much sitting them down and telling them these are things that need to change. Um, you know, like I, I am paid to walk into a room and pick it apart. And I, and I can say like, this is an amazing space as is, but could be better. Like I can make this better. And Emily does the same thing. Do you guys ever feel like weird about being in a job where you are basically telling people like you could be better? Is that ever like a problem? I mean, I, I won't speak for Jared, um, but I think we have the same philosophy here. Um, you know, we're not, for one, we're not salespeople when what we do, we're physicians first. And so patient safety and patient always come first. But when they're coming to us and they have concerns, you know, in my, I never bring up something that they may have never noticed, right? If they were coming in for their tummy, for a tummy tuck, and I'm like, oh, by the way, your nose is crooked, you know, like, yeah, I may notice things, but if that's not something that bothers them, like, I'm not going to point something out, you know, like, I'm not in this, um, like, I'm not gonna speak for Jared, but I you know he's supposed to, he's, he's, he's about nodding, it. he's but nodding. Yeah, like we, they don't come in for us to tell them all their problems. Like, right. that's not what we're here to do. We're here to help them with things. Now we can, like, sometimes we will say, well, this will complement this. Like, if you want to do tummy tuck, we'll do some lipo to help with the overall contour, mm -hmm. right? Like, that makes sense. Like, you go to McDonald's, if you're gonna a cheeseburger, you might, you might as well get a Coke because you're gonna have to wash that down. And then we, you know, mm -hmm. so we do that type of stuff. But yeah, what do you think, Jared? No, no I'd agree. Um, I mean, what's that one the that old show nip tuck where mm -hmm. the girl goes mm -hmm. in and that's like that classic scene where he just marks the girl head to toe yeah i think that's what people think of when they think of I, coming I think in so. to see a plastic um, surgeon but i mean like like jerry was saying they come in they usually have something they're coming in that they want you to address now in the realm of what you're addressing um if you do not point out certain things along those lines for breasts for example if you don't point out how the rib cage is shaped um, and they're like the nibbles, everything points off to the side because of the rib cage, if you don't point out some of those certain things, now that's not something we can fix, but if you don't point mm. some of those things out at that point, that's going to, to complement or going to change how things look in the end. Um, then in the end, if you haven't talked about some of those things around the area that they're talking about, they might be unhappy with the result they and come not back, know why they come back and they're like, wait a minute, I thought everything was going to be pointing forward. It's like, yeah. well, that's not physically possible in your anatomy. I could go into someone's house and be like, it's fine how it is, but like if you want, if you are asking for my opinion on how to make it better, I have some ideas for you. But I, but it's like sometimes I do have to train my brain to be like, this is fine. They're fine with it, so I'm fine with it. Yeah. Um, but I ultimately feel like what I do is enhancing people's lives. And I'm sure you guys all feel the same way. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, one thing we try to do as well is use social media as a tool to educate. So some people don't know, for example, that labiaplasty is even a surgery you can get as a female, you know, a lot after having kids, you know, the labia stretch out. And so when we educate and talk about things like, oh, I didn't know that was possible. So we're not here pointing out to people, but they may say, oh, I didn't know. I'm like, I didn't know that that was why I have so much pain, right? And Or why does my stomach hurt when I try to sit up? You know, because you have a huge muscle gap. And so we try to use social media to educate. And so when patients come in, our staff does a really good job, I think, of getting the patients ready so that they know exactly what it is that they're wanting to talk about. And so the time that we spend with them is very valuable. We're focused on the things that, um, like, we're going to talk about in terms yeah. of helping them. Yeah. So you mentioned social media. And you you both actually have been pretty involved with social media. Dr. Chitty, 
Jerry, I think you just won the award for best use of social media in overall representation of the specialty. Uh, it's cool. in the mail, I guess. Your clinic is is definitely the most talked about in Utah County. Why do you think your clinic has been able to take off so much? Yeah, I mean, we've only been open for a few years now. We're, we're about to go into, into our fourth year. Um, and so Dr. Garlic and I, I started in 2020, and then he joined in 2021. Dr. Piper just joined us this 2023. And we've just seen exponential growth. And I think, you know, above like social media and things, I definitely think that one is the experience that we provide for patients, you know, and are we perfect? No, but we do our best for our patients. We're always learning and growing. And then two, I do think we provide pretty consistent results. Um, you know, Dr. Pfeiffer and Dr. Garlic had some really, had awesome aesthetic training in Texas. I feel like I had good training in California. And so we brought that together here. And I feel like when you blend that consistency with that experience, we try to give like that kind of upper level experience with the consistent results. I think that's what the magic sauce is, but yeah, social media is definitely a way to get our brand out there because otherwise, like how else can you do it? You know, we were in a, a building in Draper with like eight other plastic surgeons, like, you know, and they're mm -hmm. all phenomenal surgeons. Yeah. They're yeah. all great surgeons. So yeah. how do you stand out? I, you know, I don't no, know. It's genius. So do you both run your own social medias or do you have assistants who do it? I do. You do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I run my own. Oh, you both do. We okay. have a social media manager for our plastics clinic page. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, we, we run our own. I think it's just, like, just for me and my business, I feel like when you are able to provide education for people, they immediately feel like they can trust you. And they immediately feel some type of, like, um, I don't know, almost like you are... You, you're an expert in what you're doing and you can prove it. And you guys do that a lot with before and after pictures. And I think that's just like, people just want to have something tangible because it can be really scary. And if they can see results and if you can prove why they got those results, I think that is something that is kind of like a secret that not enough people take advantage of. Yeah. I mean, de it definitely is, is beneficial on that. I think patients, they, they definitely look to that. Um, I mean, we, we, add the extra compliment on the other side. I mean, I think that gets maybe them interested or gets their attention. But I think in the, in the end, I mean, what we've kind of put together is that f that full course. Um, it's not just the surgery. It's not just getting the surgery. But, and I think this is what pulls the patients in and keeps them there in the, in the further surgery or whatnot is the preparation beforehand. And, and I mean, everyone's going to have um, things that don't go perfectly. Um, I mean, every surgeon is going to have that. Um, but I mean, being there and being there to, to help the patients, um, um, either get through it, they have something that maybe didn't go perfectly. Um, mm -hmm. every surgeon is going to have that if they operate enough. Um, but in the end, patients know that they can, they're going to be taken care of. Um, and you're going to do what, what's yeah. best for them. What, what would you say are some complications? Like you said, like not just everything will go just perfectly. In, just in surgery in general. I mean, I mean, you can prepare and you can do everything perfectly, but some things I mean, it's, it's surgery. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Things just don't go exactly. Yeah, and sometimes you don't know till you open someone up, right? Like what, what I mean, it's going to be like in I mean, there. You know, yeah. I mean, especially if they've had surgery before. Mm. Um, but even after having not had surgery, I mean, infections can happen without, I mean, you could do everything meticulously. Yeah. You still have an infection. Um, that, that can happen. Yeah. Someone's told me, you know, even if you did a perfect surgery and never have perfect results, I've never done a perfect surgery. So I definitely have never had perfect results. And there's always variables, you know, like even as a surgeon, like if you did every step of the way that you're supposed to do in the order you do it, like you said, stuff can go. And so it really is like, okay, if that stuff happens, how do you take care of it? 
And that's like with board certification, like mm -hmm. Dr. Garlic and I are both board certified by the American Board of Plastic Surgery. That's a huge part of uh, becoming board certified is how do you manage complications when they happen? You know, they picked out of, you know, the hundreds of cases that we did during our board collection period, they pick like five cases and they all had complications. They're going to, and that's every plastic surgeon in the country every year that does it. Because guess what? We all have them. And if you say you don't, that's not true. You're not operating enough. Or but lying. Yeah, or you're mm -hmm. lying. So you have to know and learn how to manage those. And that's how you become board certified. They want to know if you're a safe doctor, but if you actually care enough and if you can come up with a good plan to fix problems when they happen, because they're going to happen. Hmm. Going along with that, have either of you had to fix any botched surgeries, like from other surgeons? Yeah, I've, I've said this before on other podcasts, but Utah is kind of incestual in that way in terms of plastic surgeons, because a lot of times, you know, they may see a surgeon for a surgery and then three years later come see another surgeon and they kind of just bounce around um, because there's a lot of surgeons here. Um, but yeah, I mean, we definitely have both treated, um, I think the term botched gets like kind of... Yeah. Oh, used, used in a funny way because of TV. Yeah, the yeah, TV yeah. show. But, you know, because I'm just like, I'm botched. You know, it's like, well, okay, you have a little, your scar's a little bit wide, but that's mm. not, you're not botched, you know. Yeah. I mean, botched is like someone who doesn't know what they're doing, essentially is doing your surgery and, you know, you had a horrible, yeah, like horrific outcome of one some One of your sort, eyes you know? is like, in your forehead. And yeah, yeah, like someone injected your butt with silicone <laughs> liquid and now it's all infected. Well, well that's not standard of care. No one does that. That's uh -huh. botched for sure. You yeah, know? that makes sense. But yeah, I mean, there's definitely things that can happen. And then a lot of times I think, you know, if you look at patients in general, if they feel like they didn't have that connection with you as their doctor in the beginning and a complication arises and you can't help them fix that for whatever reason, they probably don't want to go back to you. They're going to go somewhere else. And yeah. so it's really important to establish that relationship with the patient early on and say, Hey, look, I'm your advocate. I'm here for you. If things are to happen, like I'm going to help, I'm here to help you, you know? Mm -hmm. But even then, I mean, you're still going to have patients that yeah. want to go elsewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. Same, same way. That's why some probably come to us. Um, I mean, it, it's kind of yeah. goes back and forth. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I had my um, breast augmentation done by Jared. Dr. Garlic. And I just have to say, I've been so happy with the results. Like I felt so comfortable every time I'd go in, I felt like you definitely like listened to me, answered my questions, reassured me. And like exactly what you were saying, like if you're feeling, if you feel comfortable with the surgeon, you're, you'll be able to, um, like be more satisfied. And yeah. that's how I felt. And we actually got, we posted like, a question box for, and we got a lot of people commenting like oh I had my surgery done just let them know like I've been so happy with the results so anyway you guys are amazing yeah oh, yeah when nice. Emily you had yours too there was actually something that was interesting because I remember you were talking to us about like this because we I think you're the only one like of our sisters who has had any plastic surgery yes so we had a lot of questions yeah like, there's four what <laughs> first well, of all like, four girls one sister-in-law I wanted to know everything that happened in the console I, <laughs> I wanted to know like everything you know um, but you did say that there was like two different sizes that you were yes. going to maybe do. Oh, yeah. 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 So I was, I was debating between two sizes mm -hmm. and I think I just told you going into surgery, like whatever you think will look best. So can you kind of explain like how you will decide that in the surgery? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I think we're probably pretty similar in this, but I mean, in, we'll talk ahead of time and we do measurements. So, I mean, you remember that there's, that there's measurements on that we do in the, in the consultation, now that helps us in kind of looking at your anatomy. Everyone's anatomy is different. Even if both of you being sisters, even you mm. could line up and just your breast breast footprints would probably be slightly different. They're going to be similar, but they're going to be different. Um, so those measurements help us in, in guiding us in choosing 
implants, I mean, you can't go 800 cc implants on every single person. Is that and nor would I? Is that a nor thing? would I ever? Well, some people, some people like doing that, but maybe Dolly Parton. I, I don't. I would not. I would try to talk you out of it. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but in choosing those, I mean, what those those measurements do? They help us in in keeping the implant within your your anatomy. You don't want an implant that's going to be so big that it's going off into your into your armpit. Um, nowadays, we're very lucky in that there's so many profiles, um, almost maybe too many. I mean, sometimes it gets a little complex for patients to try to, try to, to wrap their head around it. But in years ago, and not that many years ago, maybe even the patients, in the patients of the implants that we're taking out nowadays, um, at that point in time, 10, 20 years ago, the, the profiles, they did not have that, that many Options. Just a lot more options. So if you now. wanted a 450 cc implant, you really only had one option, and it was just a massive wide implant. It was going to go out, clear off into your armpit, mm. and that's just what they had. Um, but I mean, we want to maintain your natural anatomy. We just want to augment your anatomy. We don't want to make it look something that that's it shouldn't look like. So when we're trying to get the sizes in that not. And what there we find the size that kind of that you're wanting to be roughly. Mm-hmm. Um, then we had those range of implants. We'll put sizers in, sterile sizers that we kind of place in beforehand. And um, let me let me take a look. I mean, based off of what you and I have discussed, of kind of what your goals of what you want to look like. You kind of had some photos that you wanted to mm-hmm. to yeah, I to said kind of some look photos. At. And so we put those sizers in, and we and we we have you strapped down, and we the patient kind of sits up slightly in, in on the on the bed when we're in there and we take a look and we look and see does this look a little too big you're looking at it with a human eye i mean so there's kind of what we were talking about before nothing's perfect i mean we're going off i mean there's me looking at it my assistant looking at it scrub tech um we're all looking and kind of giving input we think oh, does this look too big this is what she's wanting to be does this look like this we pull those pictures up does this kind of look similar like this would give her the look that she's wanting to look um, and that, that helps us probably the best is the best that we can to kind of get you to kind of what, what your goals mm-hmm. and what we've kind of previously talked about. And f- from there, then we make the final decision. Yeah. So the sizers are, are helpful in helping us kind of t- to look, um, real time because some people's chest walls look different. You get in there and we say we pre-selected 300 cc's or 200 cc's. And you get in there and say they have a big concavity to their chest that we didn't appreciate beforehand. And you get in there and it kind of like almost swallows up the implant and you can't really see the implant. If we had pre-selected that, that's not the look that you are you were going for. So you'd have to go a little bigger. Well, you'd have to go yeah. a little bit bigger. I mean, so having that little bit of a leeway, it gives us a little bit more of kind of you kind of go to sleep knowing it's going to be in this range. And then we get in there and then we can kind of use that artistic eye, if you will, to kind of tailor that how we need to, to, to get you the best results. Yeah. For those wondering, because I did have people ask, I went with, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I was a little drugged up, but I think I went with 325 CC. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And the other option was 350 or no, 370. 370. Okay. okay. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And I did high profile, I mm-hmm. think. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, I was on some drugs, no. Yeah. but no. I've loved it. I'm so happy with it. Like I feel like it fits my profile. It's yeah. been great. I did have people ask me, which I want to get your both of your take on, because I plan to have more kids. Mm-hmm. And most likely, 
breastfeed. So what would you say? Because I think a lot of people wonder this. Like I had people say, oh, you don't want to wait till you're done. What What are your thoughts? A- absolutely. First off, it absolutely does not interact with breastfeeding. It's not going to change any of that. We're mm. completely underneath. If you're looking at the anatomy, if we were to draw it out, you're, the breast tissue is going to sit completely anterior, in completely in front of the implant. Okay. There, there's no interaction with the, the milk ducts, with the breast tissue. We're, a lot of times we're not even touching that. Um, so there's no no change that it's going to cause to the breastfeeding. Um, not all patients can breastfeed, I'd put out there. So Yeah, true, um, true. I've heard it commonly talked about a 30-30-30 rule where there's like 30% of the population don't even breastfeed. So you have no information on those patients. Mm-hmm. Another 30% do. Then there's a, a actually a decent amount of patients who can't breastfeed. And so whichever of those categories you fell into beforehand, you'd fall into afterwards. Yeah, it's not yeah. going to affect it. Yeah. Um, and the other side of things, because I, I do hear that a lot, um, is, I mean, if it's really something that affects you or that you're like, gosh, I, I, you've always been not really had, not ever fit clothes well or whatnot, and it's always been something that's just bothered you, and you're like, well, I need to wait until after I have kids to do it. I mean, if it's something that, that's affection that in that essence on the on the the mental side of things, doing it now, enjoy the years that you are now. Why put yourself through torture? Not torture, but like this mental kind of like yeah, hanging it over your head. Like, well, I have to wait till I'm done having kids. Mm-hmm. In, enjoy them now, mm-hmm. Jerry. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, I tell patients, you know, I guess if you're planning on getting pregnant within the year, yeah, I'd probably wait because you're going to now put an investment in your body, and and if you want that, it's good. But I'd say maybe wait if it's within the year. But other than that, again, like you have, it's a lot of women come in, and they've said, look, I've had this concern my whole life. Like as yeah. pretty much since I just went through puberty and developed my my breasts, this has always been an issue you know it's like people like with me like i always wanted braces my whole life i didn't dare smile when i was younger because you know i just my teeth i didn't love them you know we all have our things that for whatever reason right maybe someone said something to me when i was in second grade or whatever and then it just stuck right or maybe something you look in the mirror and so that's i think the beauty of plastic surgery um and it gets a bad rap for but really a lot of times we're just trying to help people rebuild confidence or gain confidence they never had in an area of their body that you know um has always kind of bothered them yeah so with with that, I mean, this is, that was for like, um, like a breast augmentation, but what would you say if someone was considering a breast reduction or a tummy tuck, is there, do you encourage them to wait until they get to like their goal weight or until they look a certain way? Yeah. yeah I think something that's evolved for me and in, in my personal practice. And then I know with Jared, we all kind of try to streamline this. So we're all similar, but, um, in reality, you know, it's, like and Jared talks about this a lot to his patients and I, I do too as well. Like the tummy tuck is kind of like the the cherry on top, right? It's like kind of the last step you want to do once you get to your goal weight. You don't want to be kind of like on the down, like losing weight, then have your surgery and then lose more weight. Because now guess what? Your skin's gonna be loose again or or gaining weight, right? Mm-hmm. And so you really wanna be at a level we maintain. So that's why we started our wellness clinic last year. We have our PA Shelby. She does all the medical weight loss stuff. She's amazing with that. And then we have uh, fitness and nutrition coaches, um, Katie and Chelsea. And so they'll actually help put fitness plans together and nutrition plans for our patients to really get them to their goal weights. And so we've had a lot of patients. And it's really cool to see them lose, get to their goal weight, 34 to 50 pounds 
maintain it than have surgery. And it's just so much more rewarding for our patients. And so for me, like plastic surgery is not like the fix all. It is not the answer. It is not going to fix your, your mental, you know, emotional um, concerns with your body. It's not going to, and so it's just not the quick fix. And so that's what we try to promote to our patients. Yeah. I love that. Um, I mean, there's a safety component in, in that as well. I mean, based on that, the tummy, tummy, you, the, these surgeries, you know, breast reduction is a little, little bit different because some, some patients that's just, that they can, they, they've had this their whole life. Um, now you still want to be within a safe um, um, weight or, I mean, they've, in the studies, when they looked at studies of this, I mean, for breast, I mean, it's around a 30, B, 30 BMI. Now this is looking mm -hmm. at a population. It's not looking at every single patient. This would be for a breast reduction. That would be like kind of the goal. Yeah. Okay. I mean, below below that is where they saw a difference in in um, complication rates. Now you need to extrapolate that to each patient because patients can be in a kind of a 25, 26 BMI and they could still have a lot of visceral fat, which is like the fat that's in there around the intestine area, which is going to give them kind of that fullness in their, in their, in their abdomen. Um, but a patient could be a 32 BMI and have none of that. So I mean, you need to kind of take that into consideration when you're, when you're in the consult with the, with yeah, the, cause the patient. Yeah, because if you if you weren't at your goal weight and then you had a breast reduction and you you made your breasts like exactly how you want them, but then you ended up losing weight, the then all of a sudden you wouldn't be happy anymore. Potentially. Yeah, Possibly. potentially, I mean, but, yeah. But, but breast reduction, I mean, I feel like that's one patient group that's just very, very happy in general. Oh, yeah. Usually because, they have I mean, been wanting they've for been, years. They've been looking for this for years. Yeah. Um, and the, the weight that it's, it's caused or the other medical parts, I have a very hard time. I, I hate insurance companies. Um, they, they will, yeah. they, they will string along a, a surgeon trying to get a patient cleared for a breast reduction for, for years. And they, they hold these over women's head in trying to get insurance. Yeah. And they're like, oh, we cover it. And then the patient goes to get a breast reduction. And then they're like, Act. Sorry. Actually, oh, that's JK, frustrating. We don't. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of those patients, I mean, they're just wanting to try to kind of get relief from from right. having having large breast. Yeah, I had a patient recently. Uh, um, she's seventy years old. She had a breast reduction, a very large breast. And after the surgery, she's like, you know, I don't know why I didn't do this fifty years yeah. ago. This is something she dealt with for fifty years of her life. And she said, like, just that weight, the physical weight off of her shoulders and her neck and her back. She's like, I don't know why I waited so long. Yeah. You know, she's so happy. Like, like Jared said, they are some of the happiest patients because it's it's not just aesthetic. It's functional for them, like, you know, to not have that pain, discomfort and all yeah. that. Mm -hmm. I mean, we see our patients 24 hours after surgery. And, I mean, they'll be like, that was, like, the best sleep ever. Like, I woke up, I could breathe. <laughs> I yeah. literally feel lighter. And then yeah. they still, I mean, they still feel like shit because they yeah. just, they just yeah. had surgery 24 hours ago. Yeah. Right. But, but they were like, so happy. Like I could feel, yeah. I, I, I can breathe so much better. Yeah. yeah, that's how I was. Yeah, I, I yeah. was like, this, this with is my how I was always with my implants. Be. Yeah, it's just, I was just like, I'm. This is me. This is who I'm supposed to be. Yeah. Never smiled so much. Yeah. That might have been the medication. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely could have been that, or then, that I was being weighted on hand and foot. Yeah, that's true. Do you? I'm also curious. So with a tummy tuck. Um, there's some different like methods that you could go about getting a slimmer stomach. Mm -hmm. So like liposuction, air sculpting, cool sculpting, like, do you feel like tummy tuck is the best option? I, I think it depends on what the patient's looking for one. Um, I, I, I'm not a fan of cool sculpting. Um, having taken care of patients on the other end of things who have had complications from that. Um, 
I, I, I would never push any, anyone to really get that. Um, the air sculpting, that's just a fancy term that marketing, they've used with marketing. Yeah, it's um, nothing for special. a tummy test for cool sculpting or, or for, for liposuction. Oh, so it is it's the same it's like a trademark name. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. So they, but they, they do a great job marketing. I, yeah. I have, yeah. I get DMS all the time asking about it. Other places that are not plastic surgeons will have these fancy names mm-hmm. and the, the almost seems like it's almost like an inverse ratio that the fancier the name, you maybe want to be a little more <laughs> cautious, cautious of who's, who's actually doing, doing it. Uh, maybe maybe make sure that, that okay. those credentials check out and that's an actual plastic surgeon. Because they feel like they have to market themselves so much because mm-hmm. they're not getting that well, traction. Maybe you'll have a liposuction salesman come to you and be like, oh, well, here's the, this fancy name, we'll do the marketing, you just need to do it. And if they're not a plastic surgeon, they're doing these things under local and they'll, they'll, they will really push to patients oh, well, it's in the comfort of you being awake mm. and it kind of gets sold on this this way. And if yeah. you talk to the lot, I would encourage you to talk to a lot of those patients who have been through that because um, then they end up in our office and they're yeah. telling Having us that it's the worst, the worst experience of their life. Yeah, so the spectrum, I, you know, you brought up cool sculpting, aerosculpt, lipo, but tummy tuck, like you said, I think goes back to what Jared said, is like really what is it the patient wants? Because some people don't want a scar, but they want the tightest looking abdomen and their muscles back together. Well, like, well, you can't have both. You can't have no scars and, and all that. And so it's really, you know, getting down to the details of what the patient wants and then telling them each of the options that are available and what that would mean for them. Yeah. So in our consults, that's where we spend the most time. It's like, what is it that you want exactly? What's the look you want? And then showing them like, these are what things you can expect in terms of scars, recovery, swelling, you know, pain, all that. So then once you make that educated, have that educated decision you can make that on your own Mm -hmm. i mean and that's where the the physical exam comes in so important because some patients are candidates for doing maybe just liposuction um versus a tummy tuck they could be maybe an either or Hmm. i mean you have to kind of give them the pros and cons of either either one um some patients come in and they might not have any fat on them it's just loose skin like and they're they're like i want you to liposuction i don't want a tummy tuck it's like well there's nothing to liposuction yeah um so i mean seeing what they have i mean if they have a big diastasis like so separated of abdominal muscles um they need to know that liposuction is not going to fix that like that's where you have to come in you'd have, have to have tuck. a tummy tuck then for that yeah, yeah to put it pull it back together. is that the only way you can really fix and, and i really have yeah. a hard time with there's these self-help books out there listen um, i bought one and did and all they'll, they'll the say, things. Fix this oh. diet. Yeah, yeah. we have a perfect example yeah. right here. I bought here. it, and she and she really <laughs> was like making me excited. And I told everyone it's gonna be fixed. And yeah. then no, I, really I, I went. I remember in med school or residency, I went on a day with a, a girl who, she was a, a fitness coach, and she had this book, mm. and we got in this argument the first day. <laughs> Day nice, one. Nice. First and only day. Yeah, First and only day. <laughs> but she went off on this like, oh, you can totally fix it. I'm like, I, I promise you, 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 you can strengthen the muscles and your core muscles, yeah, but, it doesn't but you can't physically fix that fascia. I, mean, I, I, yeah. I will always tell patients, I, I compare it to like Laffy Taffy. I mean, you, you pull it apart and it's meant to stretch. I mean, that's the whole part of that, that midline is to accommodate pregnancy. But once it gets to a point, it starts, it's, it's not going to come back. Right. And without it can get serious the, help, without yeah. having it being physically sutured back together. Um, right. And it can get to the point where it, it stretches so thin that you then start getting little holes in it, which would be like a little little hernias that can kind of form along the midline. Um, and they need to, that's the 
only way to do it is, is to, is to, to yeah, yeah, yeah. suture them back together. I mean, you're not going to fix that with doing someone's 10 step a day. I know, did some approach. really weird movements. Like, would you say really insurance weird. ever covers that? No, I've no. never seen it. I've heard, you know, it's this Australia urban myth legend. Austra- yeah. Australia tried it, oh, but they had huge problems with it because then they start trying to dictate, well, kind of like what they do with breast. Is it this? How wide is it? Mm-hmm. Then start putting stipulations on it, and then the same thing that happens for patients with breast reduction. Yeah, breast reduction. They, they change their mind on it. They literally insurance will tell us how much we have to take yeah. off that patient, and a lot of times it is too much. So, like, you know, if you want a breast reduction, sure, you want to, you know, make your breast smaller, obviously for functional reasons, but aesthetically, you want it to look good. You don't want to look like you, you had a double mastectomy. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of times, I mean, I had a patient. I was in California in training. You know, she. Uh, it was a young female insurance that we had to take off X number of grams. And we did that exact amount. And she literally came in crying the next week. She's like, I have no oh. breasts left. It was the oh saddest thing. And gosh. I remember thinking to myself, like, I no will choice. never do this again. I know it. Yeah. yeah. Cause she yeah. couldn't afford it, but she wa- she needed the surgery. But like we did exactly the amount. Like I remember cutting out a little piece just to make it just enough. And otherwise, the insurance will turn around and then bill the patient for the oh surgery. You're like, gosh. well, you took off 530 grams. You need to take a 531. Mm-hmm. Here's your bill. You oh, had wow. a yeah. similar in residency where we'd taken it off, but then they they went off the pathologic. So we get a weight in the OR, um, and we weigh it and send it off. But then there's a also a pathologic weight, and they went, went off the pathologic weight after everything like dried out. out. Oh, so my gosh. So it, was, so it was below that weight. And then and they so had the to pay for the patient got the bill. Oh and um, because how sad. their insurance company's like, well, it wasn't the weight. Yeah. So we're washing our hands of it. And that's how they get around a lot of this time is that they will kind of like, oh, they kind of pat themselves on the back and will be tried. Mm-hmm. And these patients are st- stuck with this. I mean, luckily we we're able to, to fight it and, and um, we're able to get it covered for her. But I mean, yeah, th- that's, that's so why sad. I have a very hard time with yeah. insurance yeah. Um, for these patients because patients still want to feel feminine, but they've put this number so high that they had to take off that many of these, just like Jerry's patient, they're they kind of they, they feel like they lack that femininity after they get done. Like, what a minute! Like, I don't have any breasts left. Mm-hmm. And very few patients does that scale that they they call the Schnur scale, but very few patients does that work in their in the yeah. patient's favor. Yeah, that makes sense. And when you do a tummy tuck, you will still. So, like, I have like very stubborn belly fat. That's just like where I keep fat. Is and then it, let's just say hypothetically, if I ever got a tummy tuck. Where would my fat go? Like, where would I now? Would it? Would I? Would I gain it in my stomach still? Would it go somewhere else? So this is what I tell I tell patients. Cause I hear that a lot, even about lipo. People say, well, if you lipo yeah. my abdomen, then am I going to get in my thighs? Yeah, you know? that's what I've heard. So what you have to think about one is like, and I tell patients this: whether we're cutting out fat or sucking out fat, we're not taking out all your fat. But your body is kind of pre-programmed to store fat in certain areas, right? Genetically, some people like I hold it in my lower back. I got the spare tire, right? My dad does, my uncles, right? And everyone's different. Some people hold in their abdomen, like Jared talked about visceral, intra-abdominal fat. So everyone holds it differently. And so the thing to keep in mind is if you gain significant amount of weight or lose amount of weight, you're going to likely lose it or gain it in those areas. But if we sucked some of that out or cut it out, your body is going to want to store fat somewhere. So it may start storing fat where you never really noticed it before because you just don't have as much. But you always have fat in those areas. So it's not like we totally remove it. Mm. So that is kind of a myth, but... It is a concern that people talk about. Yeah, they bring it up. I mean, I mean, our bodies don't make new fat cells. So we're born with a certain number of fat cells. 
So our fat yes. cells, fat cells do not divide. They don't multiply. They get bigger and smaller. Okay. So think of it as like a, in, in the liposuction realm of things, think of it like Salt Lake. If you're looking at it from space and you look at Salt Lake and then you look at some rural place where I grew up, Fairview. There's probably zero lights on right now in Fairview. <laughs> <laughs> so if you look at those two areas and we've liposuctioned an area, we've taken out a lot of the fat cells. Like Jerry said, we haven't taken out all of them. We've taken out a large number of them. Um, there's still fat cells there. It's less dense. So, and this is where I think patients get this idea of like, oh, well, it, it, I gained it in my arms. But if we haven't lipoed in some of those other areas, your fat cells are still rising and increasing and, and decreasing however your weight gains or fluctuates. Um, and there's er certain areas on, on men and women where they will maybe store more fat. But that fat cells are going to get bigger and smaller regardless. There's less fat cells in those areas where we have liposuction. So if we have liposuction through the torso and the back and the and the, that whole area there, there's going to be density-wise much less. So you're going to see much less fat cells, kind of like the, the, the no lights that are on in Fairview versus what's on in, in Salt Lake hmm. and other areas. Gotcha. So as you, as you fluctuate weight, those same fat cells are still going to get bigger and smaller. So you may okay. see it in other areas where you've not had liposuction. It's not because the fat cells are... It's not like you eat a, eat a donut and then the donut, like the fat cells of the donut are like, they get directions once they get to your <laughs> gut. And they're like, okay, well, we're sending you That's off to the arm. That's been boat, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. can't go there. Yeah, yeah it's off limits. No. Okay, interesting. Good to know. And if so it's a tummy tuck, then we're just taking out the skin, so then it's, it's gone. gone. Yeah. If it's gone, it's gone. And mm. would you say most people who get um, liposuction also get a tummy tuck and vice versa? Like, um, if they get a tummy tuck, they're also going to get lipo. I use liposuction with every tummy tuck. Okay. It, just okay. to help contour, I wait, I kind of shape the body all the way around. Mm -hmm. um, that's one of my personal pet peeves is you go to the beach and, or the pool and you see the front all nice, but then the surgeon never did the backside. Uh-huh. And mm -hmm. it takes kind of, kind of a square um, it's not approach. Yeah. Um, and so I like to shape in a 360 fashion because we see each other. We see everyone in a day-to-day -day in a three-dimensional um, realm yeah. we don't just see you on paper on in the front so that's how i was trained in in houston we, we shape every every single one around i, I do it then every single tummy tuck um they get shaped all the way you could ask any patient they always get it um all the way around and shape that waistline i think jerry does yeah, I do the same thing so you would say then tummy tuck is like the the still your go-to like way to go like there's not like like or um, depends on it the depends on the patient. Depends on the patient. Yeah, it depends. But on like the skull, the cold sculpting. Oh, no. oh. There's like a new thing out, like Juvederm or something. I don't a know. A Renuvion. Renuvion. Skin tiny. Yes. Yeah. So that doesn't ever, that won't ever replace, you know, a tummy tuck in terms of, you know, tummy tuck is kind of probably the gold standard in terms of if you want the tightest okay. abdomen, the tightest skin, if you've had kids or skin weight changes, whatever. Um, but again, it really is up to the patient. I would say most commonly, yeah, if you look at the United States across the board, liposuction is always like number one, number two most common surgery done in the yeah. U.S. amongst board-certified plastic surgeons. Tummy tuck's up there. It's not the most. Um, but again, there's cost differences. There's recovery differences, you know. And so really these are all things that you have to weigh in as a patient. Again, you know, making the educated decision of like, is this what's best for me? Yeah. For most of our patients, <clears throat> yeah, it is. And they end up getting both anyway. But mm -hmm. And I think that maybe where we're at, I mean, Utah is a very mommy makeover heavy state we have a lot of mommies here um and it's great i mean jerry and i we love what we do i mean i, I think i could speak for for him on this yeah. um i mean i have the perfect practice um i have four sisters um all have had kids multiple kids i got 18 or 19 
maybe 20 Whoa. nieces and nephews. Um, and pregnancy wreaks havoc on the body. And in Utah, in this area, that's a big focus of families. Um, and I mean, so for me and be able to give back, I mean, that's, I mean, that's why I love what I'm doing, what I, what I get to do. I mean, I think Jerry probably, I think you just did a post very similar mm -hmm. along those same lines just mm -hmm. recently. Because um, plastic surgery does get the bad rap quite a bit. And these women, a lot of them going to get shamed in, into even thinking that to have surgery for this. And I mean, I see plastic surgery. Utah is a little bit different. I, I see it differently. I see there's a kind of a twofold, a um, little bimodal almost, to patients. There's the vanity. People always talk about it's so vain, Utah's so vain. I, I don't particularly see it that way. I mean, coming from Houston, there, there's some vanity. People just showing sure. up. They have money. Yeah. Um, here, though, I, I feel like a lot of women are very fine with aging gracefully for the most part. It's very common in Utah to be 30, 32, already have had all of your kids. It's a very fit state, very active, um, and they've already had four or five kids. They just want their body back. Mm -hmm. They don't, they don't, they don't, they're, they're fine with the nice things, but they, they more so just, they just kind of want to have their body back to enjoy the rest of the life. They, they're young, and that's kind of where the mommy makeover kind of comes in. Um, I see it more so here in Utah in that essence than in other parts of the state, of the, of the country. Yeah. Him, my wife, she's had, you know, these, the mommy makeover surgery stuff uh, a few years ago. And, you know, she, we're now in our forties and she's like, well, maybe I shouldn't say that. I got in trouble yesterday for saying how old she was. <laughs> oh she, she's yeah. 26. Yeah. 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 But she said she, she feels like more yeah. confident in her forties than she ever did in her twenties and thirties. Because like Jared said, she spent all that time being pregnant or raising kids or breastfeeding or whatever it was, you know, essentially sacrificing her body, dedicating her time to her kids. And then now that her kids are a little bit older, you know, she looks back and like, man, like that was like, quote unquote, in my prime. Mm -hmm. Right. But I didn't feel that way. You yeah. know, and yeah. it's fine because women are just so selfless. Be like, it's OK. I dedicate so my time to my kids. Mm -hmm. You yes, know, thank you. And it's like, Agreed. give yourself this. You know, yeah. you deserve yeah. this. I'm so glad my husband's going to listen to this. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, we'll, we'll write a note for him. Yeah, I really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. You need to get on on a wait list, Kirsten. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Speaking about that, you guys have a pretty i mean like i do feel like your popularity comes with some you know hard challenges like it's harder to get into you when more people know about you is that something that like you you just took on another partner is that to, are you going to keep growing and being able to offer more surgeries yeah, we definitely want to keep growing but as we add or you know we want people to complement um what we're doing you know so that we all bring something special and different to the table but that we all are, you know, in terms of skill and, you know, personality and stuff similar. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's a problem. I mean, I lose a lot of sleep over it. You know, I, I hate talking about it. For a long time, I wouldn't even talk about it. Um, because, yeah, I feel like I feel almost way uh, as a surgeon, a failure. I'm like, how can I not address the needs of patients? People are like, well, just raise your prices. And, you know, this comes back to what Jared was saying earlier. Like our patients are moms. And yes, they're very well educated here. They're fit and financially overall do very well. But like our goal is not to just price ourselves up so high just so we have fewer patients on a wait list so that like moms are inaccessible. Like that's my core population as well. And so I don't want to become that person to say, well, you can pay me $150,000 for surgery. Like, cause there are surgeons around the country that do that, you know, mm. but they have a different 
goal in mind, you know? And so ours, I think is a little bit different goal there. Um, and I feel the value that we bring to our patients, not just the experience, but you know, and the results, but you know, the long-term care and follow-up, it's more than just surgery, you know, like it, like yeah. Jared said earlier, it's the mental, it's the emotional, it's the physical, spiritual, it's all of that. Switching gears just a little bit, talking about, you know, how you're, you guys really blew up. I was listening to a podcast recently and it happened to be chit chat with Chitty. <laughs> and that was your podcast. I found it, but on it, you talked about how there was like a reality TV show in the works. Is that oh, yeah. still a thing? Is that kind of on the we, back burner? Yeah. So I did chit chat with Chitty back in during COVID 2020 and we yes. had a little bit more time. Um, so back then I was approached by a production company. Uh, I can't, so I guess it doesn't matter now, but yeah, people have this app all over their phones and TVs. Okay. Um, but yeah, so it was a whole thing about essentially plastic surgery in Utah and like, why is it so high? And they were trying to answer this question. And so we were, I was in talks with them and a couple of surgeons in the Valley were as well. And it, it just kind of seemed the vibe they wanted to bring was like, um, anti you know, religion here in a way. And also kind of, putting down other surgeons and I told them, look, like I would never put down another plastic surgeon and I would never put down my religion or anybody's religion. So I felt like the aim of that was not good. So, you know, we declined that. And so the thought of doing that sure sounded fun, but it just didn't feel right. And we've had uh, since then a few other people approach us and every time it's just like, I don't want to just do something just to be on TV or something. I want to do something that's going to make a difference for people. And so that wasn't the works. And we had a company recently that was trying to do this whole mommy makeover. I'm like, this is perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, we asked a bunch of patients, uh, we had all their stuff, sent it all the casting director, and then we just never hear anything, you know? So, mm-hmm. you know, TV, they take turns and changes all the time. Um, and, you know, if it ends up happening, great. Me and Jared, Jared will be, and Pfeiffer will be on botched, you know, extreme or whatever we decide, <laughs> whatever they well, call it. Well, we will it. be tuning in. But <laughs> yeah, I yeah, yeah. Yeah, can't yeah. wait. Yeah, that's interesting. We we kind of had some of the similar experiences, but I think the nice thing about social media is you can control your narrative mm-hmm. and you can put out whatever you want. And that is free for us all to do. And mm-hmm. I'm to me, I'm just like, why not? We just like, let's just explore that more, yeah. put more energy into that. It, it's hard. I mean, it, it's great. I agree with that. Um, uh, Instagram and social media channels make it hard for plastic surgeons. Mm. Um, yeah. Like they... I mean, they restrict. I mean, I've been in like Instagram jail for ever. <laughs> oh, because of the content you're posting. Yeah. Content, even oh, though we follow their rules, uh-huh. because they, you're because it's like people's naked bodies, or like what well, are they? Well, it's, it's, it's tough to say because they <laughs> they don't tell you why. You follow the rules. You follow yeah. the rules to a to a to a T of, of what they want you to do, but then they will either they or someone can submit it as a whatever. As yeah. nudity or, or sexual, a lot of times it's called like sexual advances, or I can't remember yeah. how they word it, mm. but like they will like, they're like, you know, they do not like plastic surgeons. Yeah. But then mm-hmm. you see these women who like are like naked. Yeah. <laughs> literally. On Instagram. Naked. Yes. <laughs> like, they they and that's fish, okay. They literally just have a fishnet over their body. <laughs> yeah. But you that's, can see that, everything. that's totally yeah. fine. And yeah. that's totally fine. Yeah. Like it doesn't make sense to me. And, and so you're like that is constantly fighting Instagram on the back end. Because it's your job. It's your work. Mm-hmm. It's but like they, how they you threaten you to, t- they're going to take yeah. away your, they're going to completely like delete your. Instagram. Yeah, and you've got, you have both worked hard for your accounts. You have a lot of followers. Yeah, I mean, I've been, like, shut down for, I mean, you're, like, fighting all the time mm. for, with them on the back end, trying to resubmit to get them to. 
Yeah, it's something you, you don't off. think about. Like, I mean, posting like <clears throat> interiors, we never have that problem. You don't have that. You don't have <laughs> that. We, don't, we haven't had naked people in our rooms yet, but maybe we should. Well, yeah. no, I, we should I ran into collab. that. I was posting like, yeah. it'll, it'll go <laughs> off. Yes. I was posting like a before and after of somebody and like oh, tried to clients. promote it. Yeah. And they wouldn't they let block me. You. Yeah. yeah, they block you. Uh huh. He's like, this is this Jerry knows doesn't go along with our he's guidelines. Well depth into it. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just gave a talk at our national meeting in Austin a month or so ago about the specifically about shadow banning for plastic surgeons and just giving advice on like how to navigate that. Um, that was part of that award that I got. I think because mm-hmm. a lot mm-hmm. of stuff I do is not just for pl- patients, for other plastic surgeons around the country. And I'm on one of the social media panels for our national society. And I've been talking with President Williams. So he's the president-elect of the society this year. He's awesome. He's out of California. So I sat down and talked with him for a while, and we kind of brainstormed some ideas. And, you know, I'm trying to – we're getting a group together to approach Meta and kind of be like, hey, like, yes, it goes back to this whole plastic surgeon thing. Like, you know, I think they view it as, like, vanity and stuff. But we really, like – we're trying to educate people. And if you're not letting us educate, you're letting other people who, one, are not plastic surgeons post weird stuff that's not true, you know. And then you're letting other people post things that are giving this um, body dysmorphia, body image problems to young kids. And that's a lot of this data from Meta, you know, Instagram, Facebook came from their internalized stuff, which they won't share with anybody because they they won't let anybody kind of analyze the data they came up with. But essentially they came out and said uh, a year and a half ago that um, this type of content is making kids, you know, have body dysmorphia Mm -hmm. and body image problems. And I would agree. Yeah, there's probably a lot of posts they look at because people are photoshopping themselves and post themselves naked in fishnet, and the kids are like, I want to look like that, you know? Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying plastic surgeons are perfect either, but I think they've just kind of lumped it all together, and it's kind of been detrimental to us trying to actually educate people. Well, what I appreciate about it coming from a plastic surgeon account is that, you know, let's say a, a teenage girl is on looking, she understands that that is surgery, that that's not just somebody who went on a diet and now mm-hmm. looks this way. Like it really is educational and it helps them have the right perspective. Yeah. So I think that, that you're doing great work. I think that's very important. That's very cool. This is a random question I just thought of. Um, how often do you have males come in for plastic surgery? Because we've been talking a lot about females. but Yeah, guys don't let us post as much. Again, it comes back to this kind of like... Um, Still a stigma. stigma. There's yeah. a huge uh-huh. stigma, especially on guys. And guys actually are getting more and more plastic surgery in terms of like liposuctioning fat, or even guys mm-hmm. get tummy tucks and stuff too, um, or skin removal surgery, or you know, gyne- a lot of guys have male breast tissue and or even face surgery, facelift, rhinoplasty stuff. Um, so we definitely see it. We just can't post as much. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you don't let us post. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still it's probably still 90 percent female. Human. Yeah. Um, yeah. But males do get it. It's just. Jared's doing mine next December. I'm on his books for yes. lipo. He's gonna. Are you? He's gonna are you snatch gonna let, my waistline? Post a picture of you. Yeah. Good. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't know it yet, but I'm on his books. It's exciting. We'll have to have you on the podcast after that. <laughs> yes. I'll be yes. in my Do it 24 hours after. Yeah. Yeah. I cannot wait for that. Well, this Best has all been ever. very fascinating, yes. and I feel like we could ask you questions for another hour. Yeah. But we do just want to ask some personal questions. So we like we to ask all of our guests. Yes, we like so to ask all of our guests. Don't worry. Do you, Nothing scary. Do you have any like daily non-negotiables? It's like this has to happen pretty much every day to keep me like sane. I have to shave every day. Okay. Okay. You never have a little scruff. No, I, you can't I, do I, it. I think I've gone maybe three days total. And you went <laughs> and crazy. I think twice in my life. Okay. And one was when I got like, um, I did like a, a, not a laser, but I did like a, 
remember what it was to my mm. my face. And so you can't really shave afterwards. You're not mm. supposed to. Um, and that almost killed me. And then one time camping. Oh my gosh. And <laughs> I so still so had, I, but I had snuck a razor. How traumatic. And I was yeah. shaving whatever I could out in the lake <laughs> because it was dry. You could me. never go on Survivor. No, Chris. no, I would, no. Die. I would <laughs> die. I would die because I couldn't shave. <laughs> Only because it, of I don't feel like I'm ready the for hunger. the hunger. The scruffy part doesn't really bother me that much. It, it's, I just don't, I don't feel ready for the day mm. all right yeah you s- probably still feel like you could go back to bed just like yeah, you're just not quite <laughs> scruffy refreshed. And I just, yeah i feel like i'm yeah. like oh i need to go back to sleep yeah okay 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 what about you jerry um my, i have to have my mountain dew kickstart orange citrus flavor wow uh, what time day. are we doing that at oh it's like at 5 36 in the morning oh, okay. nice. every day hey you so gotta, you gotta get through those days i had a yeah. patient she's amazing she found 38 of them this weekend Aww. she like saw that mindy had put we went to like all this guy i couldn't find any i'm like oh i'm freaking out and so my patient, she went and found so nice. So I've been moaning. We met at Best Buy. Oh, my gosh. Days, so. and my yeah, for any of our listeners, if you dude. find those, yeah. Rockstar send was them his way. Oh, okay. I, I drink it in the, actually in the car. Right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, wow. It's a, mine's, a, I can't remember what it is. It's like a, guava, strawberry, mm-hmm. tangerine. It's like four different flavors. Mm-hmm. But every day. And in, in Texas, this tells you, it's the extremes that I went to. <laughs> Um, so when I did my fellowship in, in Houston, um, only one store in Texas sells that. Kroger. <laughs> oh my gosh, just one? Well, one brand or okay. one company. So Kroger, which would be the equivalent so of all Smith. the Kroger's. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, but not all of them would always have it. So I had like some of these people on text, like the, the stalkers. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Get it yet? I had get their, the their number. They would text me when They're they like, got them in. They're like, this guy. That's awesome. <laughs> and I would, it out. I would literally drive across town. They, they didn't even make the shelves. The no, no, they the guava have rock star. It was like, it's like an orange, it's like a, well, I can't remember what it's called. Wow. It's like four, there's four flavors. It's a guava, strawberry, something. Wow. It's a sugar-free rock star. Wow. Well, there you go. If you guys. I went to. Extreme lengths in Houston. If you want to get up on their wait list, maybe this is the (laughs) way. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's great. I heard, I heard on your podcast, Chitty, that you had to have a bowl of cereal every day. Are you still that way? No, I don't. But that was like my comfort thing at night, and I just Mm. like, dude, it's like fifteen grams of of sugar. Yeah, Um, but it was like, um, I have been doing it lately once in a while. No better Cinnamon way to just knock crunch. yourself into a coma. Huh? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Cinnamon, Cinnamon toast, toast crunch is nice. so good. Lately, I, I sometimes it'll be like a cho- it'll be like cocoa puffs, or it'll go like frosted flakes, some kind of basic sugary. Yeah, but very sugary. I I grew up eating a lot of that cereal, so that's so stuck. nice. We got it once Nostalgic. a year, I think. Right? We got like yeah. a treat cereal. It's like once a Christmas a present. Yeah. Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we always had like Christmas the great grains. Yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I'm a fan. I, I, grew, I grew up with, I had the, had the cream though as a kid. Oh, so I grew up yeah. on a farm. So my grandpa oh, had a dairy. So you have like fresh, that's so amazing. Fresh, fresh milk, cream. But I would go up and, and yeah. get the, the milk like fresh. We had raw wow. milk. But I'd get like a ladle and take it up and I'd like climb up on top of the tank and like scoop nice. the cream off the top. Oh my gosh. Um, how I don't have what diabetes, I don't know. <laughs> but um, I would scoop the cream off the top. So Awesome. Okay. Are there, we want to know, do you guys have like three products that you're loving right now? 
products. Yeah. Anything. Anything. Things. Products, shows. Yeah. Could be have foods. To, yeah. Could be, oh, yeah. so I started watching. Uh, okay, one thing for me is the Netflix, the Squid Game uh, reality show. Have you seen this? It's like a game I've show. I've heard it. I haven't so watched it. So the actual prize is $4.56 million because mm. it's a 450 Wow, that's got to be the biggest game show huge. prize ever. Yeah, and they've really copied like the show, but it's a twist. It's actually really fun to watch. It's on Netflix. You okay. should watch it. So, so you watch the Squid Games show as well. Yeah, I watched the original. Oh, so I, this I, is I fun to watch it because okay. then you're like, oh, it's actually done really well okay so there's that okay um what are, oh so i just saw this road stuff i just got those little wireless road mics i love them oh do you uh -huh. use that for your Instagram? yeah i just got i started did it last night and i've been starting cool. they're so cool yeah anyway, cool just you just like have them with you all the time yeah just we have a, a road master board you gotta sound good, good. yeah it's <laughs> yes. always on actually hold on let me get you my just mic. never know life. when you're gonna be interviewed <laughs> yeah. yeah the gas station yeah that's cool that's awesome. How about you, Jared? Uh, I, don't, I don't really watch that much TV. I mean, so I went through the Yellowstone, watched all the Yellowstone, mm. then went through the 1883. Then I'm still trying to finish the 1923. So I got like a few Ooh, okay. of those left. Oh, I didn't watch any of those either. They're, I watched Yellowstone. Yeah. Yellowstone. I think I did 1920. Yeah, yeah very good. good. I've heard very good things. Very good. Yeah. So okay. I, I really enjoyed that, but I haven't got through the all of them. Okay. Some shows to check out. Yes. I'm excited. Okay. Well, you did mention, I just want to talk about your practice in Draper. Mm -hmm. When will that be opening up? Yeah. So our building in Draper uh, is supposed to be next summer. So like end of May, June. Okay. So we'll be in there. We'll have our grand opening in September is the plan hopefully. right now. Yeah, hopefully. Okay. okay. Things are moving along. It looks nice. It's but yeah, it's right there off 146 South Exit. You can see it right above the Pluralsight building. You can probably see it from here. Yeah. Well, yeah. We have a pretty good view from building this building. I don't know. It. But it's coming along. Cool. I mean, it's been in the making for three years plus. So it's cool to Congrats. actually see a physical uh -huh. building, you know, and walk through it. It's really cool. Yeah. That'll be the closest one to me. So maybe I'll, maybe yeah. I'll go there for your grand opening. Oh, yeah. She, yeah. It's, it's going to be awesome. Doctor, it's going to be epic. The doctor, can you say his name? Pfeiffer. 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 So Ryan he'll Pfeiffer. be running that that area that clinic we'll all be there you'll it's all gonna, it's you'll just kind of rotate we'll yeah okay we'll, it's big enough that we'll all be able we can to all there. fit we'll okay. operate in there and oh, we'll have a clinic wow. there so surgery center spa, spa. Awesome. that's very exciting everything yeah. we won't okay, be cool. strung all over the valley yeah right now we're like lost brothers we need to get marco polo so we can actually yeah. communicate you really do we just we wave, never see each wave other. each other on the freeway <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah exactly you're, you're gonna get a marco polo ad friend ad from kirsten after okay, this. So, yeah. yeah oh yeah I'll, I'll i have it i just haven't used day. it yeah she's gonna ask you all her person yeah. all her questions about the tummy tuck do you want to ask a couple listener questions yeah we do we have a couple oh, cool. yes we, yeah we probably have time for one or two. Oh, i um one of them was do you guys do financing yeah we do we have okay. several options yep Cool. That's uh, a common question. Basically. Okay. Yeah, we do. Okay. How long after a mommy t makeover can you take trizepatide? Did I say that right? Tyrazepatide. Tyrazepatide. Yeah. So semaglutide. Yeah. All yeah. those. So um, before surgery, we say four weeks. Because the reason why to stop it before four weeks is that you actually get what's called gastroparesis. So your stomach slows down like digestion. So it doesn't push the food out of your stomach. After so tummy tuck? No, no, after terzepatide. Oh, Sorry, so gotcha. before surgery. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we have you stop at four weeks because we don't want you having food stuck in your stomach. I actually just heard a story today by the anesthesia guy. Um, they did a surgery on a patient who he didn't tell them he was, he was on it for one. Mm. And then two, he had a meal at three in the morning. So he it was still like, there. They were trying to put the tube down. He threw up yes. all of his food and he went into his lungs. So he ends up in the ICU, right? Oh, so that's gosh. the scary part of it. So that's why we say, mm -hmm. do not do it. We stop it and let your body uh -huh. kind of go back to normal. And then afterwards, similar. So afterwards, it's more of like, we need your body to heal. 
And when you're on that, a lot of people are um, deficient. They're not, they're Mm -hmm. not eating enough. They're not getting enough protein, enough, all that stuff. So that's why uh, fitness nutrition coaches that we have to help you afterwards is super important. Kentucky and heal. So I used to say four to six weeks after you want to be totally healed before you start that again. Okay. So you, but I would add in to that if they're doing it to lose weight, get to their, mm-hmm. their weight yeah, first yeah, yeah. because yeah. doing the tummy tuck and if you're still planning to lose weight afterwards, yeah. I, would really make be, sense. Mm-hmm. I would be re- rethinking and talking more so to the surgeon, whether it's us yep. or, or someone else. Make, make sure, you, I mean, pl- the tummy tuck, like we were talking about earlier, that should be your last step. Mm-hmm. Like, don't do this and then still be planning to lose weight because you're going to yeah. be, six months down the road, you're going to be unhappy because if yeah. you've mm-hmm. lost another 20 to 30 pounds, yep. you're going to see loose skin. So we have a lot of patients now mm, we've had true. to move because, and that's fine. We, we're happy to work with you, but we've moved a lot of patients just so they can get yeah. to their goal weight, be stable there, and then be really happy with their time. Because in the end, there's no there's no point in just doing a surgery. I think people yeah. also have the misconception that if you have a tummy tuck and lipo, you're going to lose 20 pounds of surgery. That's not the case. Yeah. Like if you think about the skin, a lot of times even when we take out big not amounts a, of skin and fat, loss. it's like, yeah, this is not weight loss surgery. It's like two, three pounds, right? But even then I tell patients, your weight today, you can weigh yourself in six weeks, you're going to weigh the exact same. You're gonna actually gonna go up for a while because you're gonna retain yeah, fluid. But when you get back, you're not gonna be five, six, seven pounds lighter because we took that off. You're not. But you will look like you lost 20, 30 pounds. Yeah. So that's where I think with the befores and afters, you look a lot on, on plastic surgeons' websites, you're like, oh my gosh, they must have taken off 30 pounds because they look 30 pounds lighter and 10 years younger, but it's not. So that's where, again, Jared says, it's not a weight loss surgery. Let's get you to your goal weight, mm-hmm. then do the surgery. Okay, we'll just do one more. Uh, subfascial versus submascular placement breast augmentation, which is better? So I'm a, um, so Will you I don't explain know, what that means? Yeah, I don't so uh, Jared and I might have different opinions on this. So I'd love to hear his opinion. Great. So for I me, hope you, guys get you know, I trained <laughs> and we all train <laughs> like for, gloves yeah. <laughs> we've all trained submuscular is like the gold standard. And I would say probably the most accepted still done in the United States is under the muscle. So submuscular under your pectoralis muscle. But one thing for me that I've noticed in my own practice, so we both do a lot of internal bra and gummy implants. And one thing I've noticed in the last few years is women coming back and saying, I hate my implants under my muscle. They're like in my armpits. Women complain they just don't feel like it's their own body. They feel like it's like their breasts just don't feel a part of them because they're literally just anatomic space that we've filled with this massive implant pushed your pec. And so I've just tried to rethink, I'm like, am I doing the right thing for my patients personally? And I have a lot of active patients in here. And so at the end of the day, I still do a lot of submuscular because that's what either the patient wants or it works for them. But I do caution them, like, you know, it's possible your implants are going to end up in your armpits. And there's nothing I can do technically or any other surgeon is different. Your anatomy is going to be different than anybody else's potentially. And it could go in your armpit. That's okay. If you're okay with that, do it. I've gone more subfascial lately um, as, you know, and again, it's, I give patient options and they pick it. It's not like I tell them to do it. So, but most patients, after they hear the options, you know, when you combine for me, a internal bra with a gummy implant, and then what we do, subfascial is not, this is different than your old school, like in the breast tissue, like we're trying to elevate the fascia, the lining of the muscle. And again, we don't touch any of the breast tissue, but we elevate all that space. Um, And so some people are really good candidates for it. Um, some people that are really thin, you could see their implants more. So there's pros and cons in both. I don't think anyone is better than the other, but for some patients, one may be better for them than the other. And so that's a really individualized thing. Like I said, for my patient population, as I've been doing it more and more, they've tended towards subfascial. 
um, in the way that I and do. And that's under the muscle. Um, it's under the fascia, which under is above the, the above muscle. Above the muscle, yeah. under oh, fascia. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I don't call it above the muscle because that's like what we used to do. We just like cut the breast tissue and throw it in there in seven minutes and then close it. That's a totally different surgery. Okay. So it kind of has to be rebranded, but got it's it. a different surgery. Got it, got it, got yeah. it. I mean, before, I mean, it's kind of waxed and waned as far as surgeons going one way or the other um, over the years. Well, I guess that's why both, a consult both is can, good. Both can be done. Yeah. Um, it's just a yeah, I think one thing I'm trying to do is, you know, one thing as we move into our new space is we really want to, you know, become a center where people from around the world are like want to come and learn and teach and, you know, share ideas and things. I really want to do more research clinically. And so like right now I'm going through all of my patient data. I know Jared collects his own data on all of his patients, but I have some pre-med med students that we're putting everything together um, for all this stuff. Cause we're going to, we're going to looking at these things that like you said, the capsular contracture rates with all the subfascial cases versus submuscular over the last five years, right? This is data that we just don't have that no anyone's published. I know a guy in um, Arizona who has published about subfascial galflex, but it's all in reconstructive cases for women. Um, but for cosmetic, it has been done. Most of the data is probably yeah. academic centers. They yeah. Mm. But, you know, we do, um, like I just, I did, I just calculated, we have, like, I did 677 Galflex cases in the last four years. And I talked to Jared, he's done very close to them. He started a year or so after me, but he's done a lot too. So together we've done over probably a thousand something cases of Galflex, more than anyone in the, the world, to be honest. And so this is the data we want to put out there and show you like, Okay, these are the complication rates. These are how low the capsular contraction rates are. And so once you have that, again, it becomes a tool for other surgeons to make informed decisions for their patients. Say, like, look, your risk over 10 years is whatever percent, you know. And so that's what we're trying to do is put that data together and put that out there because um, I think it can be very helpful for other surgeons. Yeah. I mean, I think in the end, I mean, I think always trying to look back at what you've had, what you've done. I mean, we're always evolving. I, I probably don't do everything the exact same way that I did when I first started two and a half years ago. Okay. And then can you tell us too, your wife just started something. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah. So for the last year and a half or so, she's been working on a post-op, like post-surgical recovery line for women to wear for after surgery. Cause when she had her surgery a few years ago, you know, like she had like some really nice stuff, like button ups or zippers and things, but it's just really hard to take off and going into the appointments after surgery and then just getting in and out of clothing was really hard. And then you combine that with wearing garments and all these or, um, mm -hmm. compression garments and stuff. So she came up with a whole line, um, several pieces. One's like a house dress was all magnetic. So it's really easy to pop wow. on and off. Just comes off nice. It's really soft. It's all black material. So if you get like fluid on, you can't see it. Um, like pockets for, you know, drains and stuff. And then she has like a two piece, uh, top where it's like a magnetic button top and then like really loose soft bottoms. Um, and she amazing. kind of found material similar to the Lululemon soft stream, like really soft oh, stuff. Yeah, so she has yeah. a outfit like that, that she made and then she has some other stuff. So I'm just really proud of her. I wanted to put that out there plug for her. Cause she just opened it on black Friday, like oh, that weekend. Barely. The store. Yeah. It's oh, just, wow. it's What's just it me recovery.com S O M E recovery.com. Um, and then our surgical bras on there too. Um, but yeah, we also wanted to put a plug in for Dr. Pfeiffer. So he's our new surgeon, mm -hmm. um, but he's, he's not a new surgeon, but he's new to us here. Um, very well trained. He trained uh, where Dr. Garlic did in Houston at ACPS. So he did aesthetic fellowship there. He was at Duke prior to that. He also has an MBA. He's like a genius. 
Wow. And he was at Dartmouth before that. And Maybe then we should have had him on instead of you guys. Yeah, he should have totally <laughs> we'll been. We'll have him on next. <laughs> yeah. He's busy. Yeah, by himself. Bring him back next time. Yeah, yeah. yeah you just bring he's him back. He's way more interesting. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, this has been fascinating. Yeah. yeah. He's definitely, he's still taking patients and he's, he does everything, um, you know, head to toe. He actually really likes to do face stuff too and rhinoplasties. Oh, cool. But he does a lot of mommy makeover yeah, stuff. Yeah, we didn't too. even touch face really. So we'll have to have a yeah. part two. Yeah, stay tuned. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you guys always get along? Do you guys ever fight? I don't, I don't think it's I don't like think we ever see fight. each other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, each other like if you were married and just never fight. saw your spouse. It's I like, have. There's uh, three business partners in my business, <laughs> and we don't like fight. But I'm just curious if you ever have like differences of opinion, or if you're like, uh, I, mean, I want to do yeah, it this way. Sure. I want to like, run it I this way. I think one thing I've known Jared for what like 13, 14 years. I don't know how many years now. A long time since med school, and that's how old we are. We've been in med school that long. But like, so you know, I feel a lot of ways like my brother, like, you know, and we have differences of opinions and things and that's fine. We share it and, you know, we try to find a conclusion that makes sense for our business and our practice. But I mean, it's just like a marriage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, if anything, I mean, you, you would think of it almost more, more so. I mean, you, if you were to really break down the, the time, I mean, take yeah. I mean, the outside yeah, of the, yeah. the practice. Yeah. yeah. Um, you're together. You're once we have a building that a we're lot. in the same spot mm-hmm. right now. No, but yeah, in, in the same building, I mean. With your business partners, I mean, you spend more, not just plastic surgery. You spend more time with your business partner than you might with your your spouse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you go home, you're going to go home maybe five, six p.m. at night. I mean, the amount of time awake time that you're spending with them is probably largely <laughs> more so with your business partner. And so, I mean, just like with a marriage or any relationship, you're going to have disagreements. You're going to have things that you see differently. I mean, mm-hmm. that's where you, I mean it still comes down to your same same. Um, of building blocks of any relationship Commun- building communication talking about things yeah talking it out yeah love that hugging it out probably yeah, yeah. maybe less hugging but <laughs> we don't <laughs> hug a talk, lot talking bro hug yeah but. yeah that's that's great well thank you so much can you tell our listeners where they can find you your yeah. instagram so on instagram for me it's dr chitty doctor so d-r-c-h-i-d-d-y or plastics by chitty and i'm on tiktok and the web. Okay. The web. And uh, <laughs> good for, to know. For myself, the web. Uh, just Dr. Garlic, D R G A R L I C K. You have to type all of it in because of the shadow pen. Okay. Otherwise, <laughs> it will not oh, pop up. Oh, yeah. If you type part of it in, it will not show up. Okay. Yeah. Um, They're not going to help us find you. Okay. No, they, they will not. Yeah, like, okay. no, yeah, they, yeah. they bury me. Um, or Utah underscore plastic surgery. Yes. Yes, 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 that's right. Okay, well, perfect. Thank you yes. so much. And to our listeners, don't forget to download, subscribe, all the things. And share with your friends. Mm-hmm.